Welcome to Eco Living, a podcast about ways to reduce your impact on the earth, from cutting your greenhouse gas emissions to minimizing land and water use. I'm Adam Weiss. Eco Living is a co-production of Narara Eco Village and the Narara Eco Living Network, and is based at our demonstration eco village outside of Sydney, Australia. This episode is about habitat restoration and bush regeneration, two things that we try to do as much of as we can here at the eco village. Teresa Farrell is one of the people actively involved in that work here at the village, so I brought her in for today's conversation. She's been part of a team working on a grant-funded project to create habitat for the critically endangered swift parrot, so we'll talk about that as an example of the kind of habitat restoration work that people can do almost anywhere they live. Hi, Teresa. Hi, Adam. So can you start off by giving us a quick overview of what habitat restoration or bush regeneration is? Habitat restoration is all about restoring the bushland around us to be full of native species rather than weeds. So when you say weed species, are you mostly talking about introduced non-native invasive species or even things that just aren't helpful in the, in the local environment? Essentially, and I, I think um, it is important to start off with, well, what is a weed? Um, I, I regularly hear people say a weed is just another plant that's out of place. And while that's essentially true, and your suggestion that it's usually imported exotic species The problem with weeds is they grow very well. They have a tendency to take over and create large areas that are monoculture, which is not conducive to creating an ecosystem for our native flora and fauna. They can just fill enormous areas. So to restore that to a functioning ecosystem, then we need to gradually remove those weeds. So what does that look like if you're going into an area that's been overrun by something that shouldn't be there or that's disrupting the ecosystem? Are you trying to target those particular plants and replace them with something or just start by removing them? It's a combination and it depends on what the environment looks like to start with. The ABC of bush regeneration is to go slowly, to work from the healthy bushland, and by that I mean something that is native and a good functioning environment for, for our very special flora and fauna that we have, the weeds outcompete all of the, our native stuff. So we need to um, clear them out. So we, st- we always go very slowly. We don't clear more than we can go back and manage. So going in and clearing is only the very tip of the iceberg. You need to go back again and again and again and slowly allow the, the bush to recover. If you have an area where it's completely covered with weeds, then you might start thinking about planting some native species in there. And how does the Swift Parrot Project fit into that bigger idea of habitat restoration? It's an opportunity for us to restore an area that's been highly degraded. It's full of weed species on the surface. We will be planting specific plants, or we have planted specific plants that will support the swift parrot. But of course, it's not just about the swift parrot. It allows us the opportunity through the funding to create an environment that will support a multitude of native fauna and flora. And can you just tell me a little bit about swift parrots and why they need the help that we're giving them? Well, swift parrots are a very attractive little parrot that lives in Tasmania and, and breeds in Tasmania and comes up for a bit of a holiday in autumn and winter. It's not really a holiday, it's escaping the cold. And it feeds on the flowers of the swamp mahogany trees and nests in hollows of the more advanced trees. The environment in Tasmania is under pressure and they're 
on the critically endangered list, and a critically endangered term means that they are at high risk of extinction. So there are a lot of projects going on to try and save the swift parrot. What we're doing in the next few years, we'll have plants that are big enough to start flowering and and support the, the transient population of the swift parrot. In the meantime, of course, it's giving us the, the opportunity to establish an area that is going to support a broad range of flora and fauna that have otherwise been suppressed. It's been very interesting that when we started clearing, we found that we were getting all sorts of native plants popping up that we haven't seen down there. No, no, they, I'm sure they haven't been growing for years. So the seed bank is an incredibly diverse space. They just need the opportunity to grow. So it's not only about removing bad plants and replacing them with good plants. There are some good plants there. They just need the space to grow. Exactly right. Exactly right. We'll have a look too when we, as we go along with the number of plants that we've put in and whether or not we... we I suspect that what we'll need to do is put more plants, some more plants to support the environment and, and give it a chance because it's been an area that has been overtaken by weeds for a very long time. The approach that we took with this space is it's 320 metres long and it's probably about 10 to 15 metres wide. So it's a big space. 300 plants sounds like a lot, but in a space that size, that's not a lot. To get it back to a natural state, you want something that's reasonably dense I can't put figures on that, but it needs to be reasonably dense. Otherwise, you're going to have weeds popping up everywhere. So the approach that we've taken, and this is, this is classical bush regeneration, it's part of one of the principles. You would never clear that whole space. You didn't army to be going back way more time and energy that, than we have to go back and, and keep it under control. If you clear the whole space like that, what you're going to get, apart from deflated, is another wall of privet because it will just spring back way faster than you can try to pull out the thousands and thousands of little seedlings that are coming up. So what we do is we take a, an approach where we clear part of it. So we've gone in in what you can see are like keyholes. So we'll take a patch and we'll, we'll go in and we'll leave the weeds in the other section just growing, won't worry too much about them, and we'll focus on what it is that we can manage. So that's an important approach. You then end up creating patches of good areas that you can work from and slowly make those bigger. So then eventually you'll be rid of all the weeds. So you're poking holes in this big blanket of weeds and then you can make those holes bigger and bigger and bigger until there's not many weeds left. Exactly. It's a long-term project. I think that's the other important thing. You need to decide that this is going to be something that you're going to do over a long period of time. So this project is a 12-month project to do what we've done, which is to get the plants in. We have committed to planting 80 swamp mahogany trees and another 210 plants. So we, we have actually put in more than 300 plants in this space that we've set aside to do it, to keep them alive for 12 months, to run some workshops. We probably did a little bit more in the workshops than we needed to, but it's actually a 10-year commitment to keeping this space moving towards a more natural environment. And I assume that at the end of that 10 years, you're not expecting it to be perfect. You're expecting it to be far enough along that maybe it, it has a chance. Yeah, yeah. Look, I'm not sure if I should use the analogy of cleaning because it's not quite like cleaning and it's not quite like gardening in your own garden. It's similar. As time goes on, what you're hoping for is that the areas that you've worked in will need less assistance. 
maybe you'll get to the point where they don't need any. By, by, the, by that time, you're busy in some other area anyway. The need of those areas will, will does lessen over time, but you probably need to do a scan on a regular basis to see how they're going, make sure something's not popping up and getting out of control. It sounds like we're trying to create a habitat that's like what Swiss parrots have had for thousands of years to replace the habitats that may be missing in this area or neighboring areas so that they have a place to stay in the winter. But at the same time, by recreating some of those habitats they've had for thousands of years, you're helping all native wildlife, I would assume. Yeah, that's right. Um, there There are some pockets of swamp mahogany trees already planted in other places on the central coast. And of course, as we clear land for, for housing, we're impacting on all of these environments. And this is just an opportunity for us to to recreate what would have been there. So we're, we're recreating something that would have been there originally. So how did this particular project get started? Why are we doing it here at the Eco Village versus it being done somewhere else? The reason that it's at the Eco Village is because of it. Well, there's a number of reasons. The grant funding was provided through local land services, which is an organisation who support private landholders to regenerate their bushland. It's one of the organisations that's around to do that. We have a good track record in in bush regeneration because we've been doing it for over six years now. And a group of us meet once a week. We're working our way on the edges of the built-up areas to slowly regenerate what we can. We had a, a particularly conducive space to regenerate that we hadn't started. It's um, not surprising to know that swamp mahogany is quite like wet feet and on the edge of the floodplain was the the perfect place to put them. So do we have swamp mahoganies on the eco-village property already or are are these the the first ones that we've had in a long time? We do have swamp mahoganies around. We had propagated a small handful of trees and got them to seedling or sapling size, and we actually planted nine. So we had we had been able to demonstrate that it, it was a good place to be putting the swamp mahoganies in. We also noted that we planted some up against vegetation, some out in grassland. The ones up against, close up against vegetation that was already there, even though it was weed species, they grew really well. The other ones are growing quite nicely, but nowhere near to the same rate. So it was an interesting test case. And the fact that it was within a a five kilometre radius, an area that had been identified as a suitable place to put the trees to support the birds that had already been seen in in that five kilometre radius of the village. So it sounds like because swift parrots have been seen in the area nearby, then putting habitat that they like in that area that they are known to come to every year is a target for this grant. Exactly right. And then you're also doing for this particular project, some larger events where you're getting a group of people to do one targeted day of bush regen for the Swamp Mahogany Swift Parrot Project, right? As part of the project, we committed to running workshops. The workshops are intended to get some of the work done, which is the planting, some weeding. But the primary aim of the workshops really is education and showing people what can be done in a particular area. So is the hope that people learn to do this and then can go back to wherever they live and even just themselves or a few people can start to do the same thing there? That is the idea, yep. So what does it take if someone who's listening to this wants to start doing bush regeneration and habitat restoration where they live but don't have a particular target species or idea of what to do? If you just want to get started, what do you do? So the way we got started was with a group 
that really essentially knew very little or nothing about bush regeneration. There was some knowledge, but most of the people involved had never done any bush regeneration before. So the first thing that we did was then develop a, a relationship with the Community Environment Network, the p- professional bush regenerators, and they ran a workshop on our property. That cost us nothing. They had funding to do that. We didn't. All we had, had to do was to turn up. With that start then, they helped us identify some key weed species that we had, and that got us going. So it was an ongoing relationship with CEN staff coming in and, and checking up how we were going and, and helping us through it. If you don't have your own space, you, you want to help someone else, you might want to join a, a local Bush Regen team. There are plenty out there to, to join. So that that's a good way to start. You get some knowledge that way and you can start looking at what's on your property and the potential that you might have to do something. It sounds like you don't need to know too much, but what are the pitfalls if you don't know enough? You obviously are not wanting to pull out critically endangered native species or something, but uh, is it is it that hard to learn to do? One of the golden rules of bush regeneration is if, if you're in doubt on what a plant is, don't pull it out. There's a, a wonderful website now called iNaturalist that you can put plants onto as well, and there'll be somebody that knows what it is that you're looking at. So flag what the plant is, put it on, take a photo, put it on iNaturalist, and you'll get an answer as to whether that's a, a native plant you want to keep or pull out, and then you've just learnt something new. You will find that if you're trying to rehabilitate an area, that there will be a lot of the one thing. By definition, that's what the weeds are doing. And as you learn, then you just build on your knowledge. So it sounds like if you have an area near you that has some established native plants in it that are living together in an ecosystem, and then there are non-native plants or weeds right nearby, if you can start in that area that's doing all right, try to clear the weeds that are there and then move into the area that is worse off, then you can really help the plants that are that are in the healthy area spread rather than having to go and find native plants to plant in some other area. Exactly right. By by working from the best area to the worst, we have a tendency to go, well, this, this area is terrible. I better work on that. Not so. Go to the best area and you'll find that by pushing it out, you're working with the the environment and not trying to, to do all the heavy lifting. So we've talked a lot about the benefits for native plants and native animals, but what about the benefits for humans? You know, you've, you've said that you've enjoyed doing this work, but once the work is done, how does the environment change in a way that we can enjoy? Well, if I had some photos, the Heritage Gully, I think, is probably the best example that we have of the changes that we've made. It was a completely impenetrable space. You couldn't walk through it. Um, it was filled with the lantana, the usual suspects, lantana, privet, ochna, and you couldn't even use the space. So now we've cleared it out. We can walk through this beautiful, cool environment. Wow, it's just absolute delight to be in. We can enjoy it because we're interacting with the, the natural environment. We can see that, that there are various animals that come in there and birds that are using the space. And it's just a beautiful space to be in, which we didn't have before. And if people want to be involved in this particular project with the Swift Parrot, we have one more workshop coming up this month, right? That's right. We, our last workshop is on the Friday the 26th of May. It's half a day, goes from 8.30 to 12. The, and the aim of this workshop, we've done all the planting now, so 
you can see the way that we've approached it. The aim of this workshop really is to look at the basic principles of bush regeneration and to look at, in particular, how we manage it from here. So, okay, we've gone into a space that was, it looked like it was all weeds and, and predominantly privet, which was on the march across our floodplain. So we've cleared keyholes into that and put some plants in there. What we'd like to demonstrate is the weed species that are still coming through or the new ones that are coming through because there's always something new when you clear a space and to identify some of the natives that are coming through. So there'll be a fair bit about plant identification as well and just the opportunity to talk to push professional bush regenerators and to local land services to see how they might be able to help if you want to take that away and use it on your own property. So to finish up, can you look forward into the future? Once this project has been completed and more bush regen has been done in this area, what difference will it make? What is the hope that this area will look like in 20, 50 or 100 years? We are fortunate on the Central Coast that we already have a system in place called Coastal Open Space System that preserved the hilltops across the coast as native bush. The thing that is important from here now is to obviously to preserve those, but to enable and encourage people to be involved in ensuring that we continue to establish wildlife corridors so that they're not isolated spaces. Because although that's useful, continuation of corridors is incredibly important. It's also important to know that there's a large percentage of bushland on the Central Coast that is in the hands of private land holders. And if they're not looking after their land and they're not supported to do it, then there's a chance that they'll, they'll degrade and they won't provide those corridors. So that's what I'd like to see. By doing our bit, as we're linked, we border the Strickland State Forest and we also border land that has come under the coastal open space system. And with all that land around us, we had that opportunity to continue those corridors and to be a demonstration on, on how you can manage land. So it sounds like there's a lot going on here all the time, but this particular project for Swamp Mahoganies and Swift Parrots is getting started right now to go on for quite a while. If people are interested in learning more about that, definitely check out the Narara Eco Village website and look for that event at the end of the month, which you'll be helping at. So thank you very much for being here. And if people want to come, they can learn from you in a few weeks. Thanks, Adam. And thanks to all of you listeners for being here too. To learn more about the conversation you just joined us for, visit our Eco Living Podcast website at ecolivingpodcast.com. If you want to learn about Narara Eco Village and Eco Village Living, visit nararaecovillage.com. That's N-A-R-A-R-A ecovillage.com. And finally, if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to our feed to get all of our episodes for free. And feel free to send the link or the audio file to anyone who you think might enjoy it or learn something from it. Hopefully both. We have all of the links you need to subscribe to or share the show on the website. Until next time, I'm Adam Weiss.